Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John's Gospel, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. 2,000 years ago, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem us that were under the law that we might have the adoption of sons. John's Gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus Christ came to connect us to God, to give us a relationship with God, to allow us to be children of God, so that we might be Christ-like disciples. Living out that relationship with God recognizing that our responsibility is to proclaim the wonder of God's love as salt and light. We have a mission statement here at Calvary Baptist Church. To multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate about their God, obedient to the word, dependent upon him in prayer, connected to one another and authentic and relevant so that we might multiply Christ-like disciples. And it is this connectedness that we need to live out to the honor and glory of our God. John chapter 15 is right in the middle of Jesus' last instructions to his disciples before he went to the cross. Jesus is meeting his disciples in an upper room. They are celebrating the Passover for the last time. And Jesus is sharing with them that he would go to the Father, but that he would return because he was going to prepare a place for them. And he would receive them unto himself. These last instructions start in John chapter 13. And the instructions are all about connectedness. Jesus is connected with his disciples during Passover, celebrating the redemption of of God. Jesus is connected with the Holy Spirit because he will not leave us comfortless, but will send the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Here in our text John chapter 15, Jesus is connected to the Heavenly Father as the husbandman and the vine dresser and the vine. And then Jesus is connecting us as vines and branches together. It's all about this connectedness, our relationship with God and with each other as we share in each other's lives. I want you to understand this morning this truth. That the relationship the vine has to branches is an exclusive relationship. It's a relationship that is necessary if we are to understand what God wants us to be connected to him through his son, Jesus Christ. We live in a culture that just simply wants us to coexist. You've seen this bumper sticker, haven't you? It starts with Islam and then gets to Judaism in the middle and Christianity in the end. 
and encompasses everyone together in a cultural that just blends without any distinction, without any exclusion. Uh, you may not recognize the other symbols that are in this particular word. The peace sign is witchcraft. Uh, the E is gender equality in all things. The I stands for paganism, and then they have the yin and the yang that kind of works together, the bad and the good, the good and the evil. They just kind of blend together so that we might coexist. But the truth is, the relationship we have with God through his son is an exclusive relationship you see the bible tells us that we must be born again jesus met with nicodemus and nicodemus said to jesus how can i have eternal life and jesus said you must be born again and jesus and nicodemus said hey how can how can that happen and jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And then later in that same chapter, we have John 3, 16, 17, and 18, where, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He who believes in the Son is not condemned, but he who does not believe in the Son is condemned already because he believes not in the name of the Son of God, an exclusive relationship. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And then Peter preaching says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. Vine branches connected together in exclusion of everything else. It's not coexist and just kind of get along. It's either we're part of the vine or we're not. And the truth is, only those who have trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior have that connectedness as God's children because they have believed on the name of the Son of and frankly, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Exclusion. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Exclusion. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And that babe in a manger some 2,000 years ago came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you've not been born again into the family of God, you need to do that. Now, you may love God. You may believe in God. You may even have been a church member for all of your life. But have you personally trusted Christ as your own Savior. Believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. 
and been born again in the family of God. If, if you don't understand it, please see me following this service. Because the truth is, you're either connected to the vine or you're not. Are you in John chapter 15? I want to read this passage of scripture again because I want it to penetrate our minds and our hearts. And then this morning we're going to talk about a couple of verses that are in our passage that gives to us a little bit of tension. And we're going to look at some other passages in scripture that give to us some tension in salvation. Is it possible to lose your salvation? There's tension. And then we're going to discover that eternal life is just that. It's eternal life. Because it comes from God the Father. So that's where we're headed this morning. John chapter 15, are you there? Verse 1, you follow along in your copy of the scriptures, please. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Did you notice some tension there? Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Did you notice some tension? Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that ye bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The truth is that you must be connected to the vine. As we have looked at this passage of Scripture, we have discovered that there is some evidence that we are connected to the vine. And that is our testimony, is it not? Christ's likeness begins with loving one another. We are to invest in fruit. We are to keep his commandments. And then this exclusive relationship is being lived out in our lives. 
And so as we discover the testimony that God has given to us, we recognize that he has provided for us everlasting life, and this life is in his son. Jesus said, in this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, a testimony to our connectedness. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another, a testimony to our connectedness. Romans chapter 8 says that his spirit who indwells us bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Connectedness. But we must be careful. Because 1 John tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is, is not from God the Father, but it's from the world. See the tension? And yet we believe that eternal life is just that, eternal life. Now there are two verses here in our text that give to us some tension. The first one is verse 2. Where Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Did you see the tension there? And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, we probably understand what it means that he prunes us and that he sharpens us and that he takes away that which would hinder us in our Christian relationship. But, but what's it mean here when it says, if it doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away? Oh, we'll get to that. Down in verse 6, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. Now, we could probably understand that very easily if you're not connected to the vine. You, you then are, are thrown away. Because connectedness is so important. I keep using that word connectedness. And it's all about a relationship. And I want to make sure this morning that we recognize it's all about what God has done for us to establish a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Vine and, and branches. Now, there are three other passages of Scripture that we want to look at very, very quickly this morning because I do not want to shy away from this tension that we find in Scripture sometimes. There's, there's no reason for us to deny what the Scripture teaches. We just need to understand it. And in looking at these three passages of Scripture, we're not going to have time to, to really get into them and to flesh them out completely. But, but I want you to know how to handle the truth so that we have a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. The first passage that I want you to turn to is in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 7. Turn there, please. Matthew chapter 7. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says in verse 21, this is red-letter stuff, the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Somebody once said, not everybody talking about a heaven is going there. And there are a lot of people in our culture that talk about heaven, who talk about heaven without having a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And here Jesus even identifies those as who would prophesy, who would cast out demons, who would do many marvelous works. It's not about what you do. It's all about what Jesus Christ has done as he shed his precious blood in payment for our sins. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not just talking about heaven that gets you to heaven. It's about a connectedness, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Turn over to the book of Hebrews, will you please? Hebrews chapter 6. This is another tension passage. Hebrews chapter 6. Let me begin with verse 4. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are, crucif since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, and holding him up in contempt. Now stop right there. Talks about those who are fallen away. And the writer of Hebrews says... It's impossible if someone has fallen away from the truth of God to be restored as a child of God. Now, what's that mean? That's tension, isn't it? Does that mean that you can backslide so far that you can lose your salvation and lose your redemption? So, so what's it mean? Let me just very quickly help you. The writer is writing to a group of people called the, name of the book, Hebrews. Very good, all right? That was not a trick question. The writer is writing to Hebrews, Jewish people who saw God's working through his plan to bring them to the promised land. In the Jewish culture, tradition is everything. And the celebration of what God has done is a critical part of their relationship with God. I told you that in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, in John chapter 15, Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. That was a, that was a Hebrew thing to do. Recognizing how God brought his people out of Egypt and, and redeemed them. 
So as we understand this, the writer is writing to a Jewish audience. And that Jewish audience had seen God work and they had tasted of the goodness of God. They had even seen the power of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit had come upon God's chosen and, and been used in a very special way. And so they had tasted of God's goodness. But they had never appropriated the Messiah. They had never received Christ as the one that God would send to be the Savior of the world. And so as we work our way through Hebrews chapter 6 very quickly, we understand that these folks knew history, knew the wonder of God, knew the plan of God for his, his people, but failed to recognize that a Savior would be born in Bethlehem who would save his people from their sins. There's one more passage that I want you to look at this morning. Go to Luke's gospel, will you please? Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. This is not an easy passage. Are you there? Luke chapter 14. Let me begin with verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. That's some tension, isn't it? Verse 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise... When he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him. I missed verse 27, didn't I? I'm sorry. Let me jump back up to verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be his disciple. And then Jesus says, you need to count the cost. Why? Verse 33, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Ooh, it's pretty harsh, isn't it? Cannot be my disciple. Those who don't hate their father and mother can't be my disciple. Those who don't bear their own cross can't be my disciple. Those who don't renounce at all cannot be my disciple. Jesus was talking to some great crowds. We find that in verse 25. And the crowds are about to just cheer him on. And Jesus says, wait a minute, be, be, before you get too excited about my ministry, let's talk about some things. 
You need to think carefully about what it means to be my disciple. And he says, if you don't hate, well, that's a strong word, isn't it? Father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even your own life. You see, here's the deal. If you're going to be a disciple, a Christ-like disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus has to be the highest priority in your life. You remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You remember that? We could read it in Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus said this, to love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That's pretty high priority, isn't it? You see anything else? You see anything in your life that can wiggle in there? If you love him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul? And it's not that Jesus requires his disciples to physically, permanently turn away from those who are significant in their lives. Father, mother, brother, sister. But what he is saying is, this is an exclusive deal. And if you're going to be my disciple, I have to have the highest priority in your life. Kind of puts it in different perspective, doesn't it? First Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. You know what that phrase means? Make him number one. And then be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If we as Christ-like disciples would give Jesus the highest priority in our lives, people would be amazed at our lifestyles and would ask, what's up with you? What's going on? And it's an exclusive relationship. Vine branches? Well, that's been pretty convicting in my life. Let me get on. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what it means to bear somebody's cross. Sometimes we think that's putting up with a nosy neighbor. Sometimes it's a physical ailment that we may have, a financial pressure. But you know all of those things are common to unsaved people, just like saved people? So what's Jesus saying to the connected ones? He's saying, unless we are willing to lay aside all of our rights and preferences 
cannot be his disciples. Ouch. We live in a society and a culture where it's all about me. All you have to do is think about a selfie. Right? You been on Facebook recently? And yet Jesus says, unless you're willing to lay aside all of your own rights, that's your cross. It's where you're at. You can't be my disciple. Whew. Let's move on. That's awful convicting too. Verse 33, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be a disciple. Now in the text, Jesus is saying, anybody who goes to build a barn considers the cost. Because you don't want to put up the barn and get it half finished and have the whole community laughing at you. Connie and I have been Finishing our lower level, you might call it the basement. We call it the lower level. For six years. Don't do that to me, Nellie. Nellie and Walt have been so kind to come over and help, and the last time they were over, they were fixing the drywall that I messed up. So last night, Connie and I sat down, and we, Walt, I got the toilet set. The shower is ready to go. And Connie said, okay, this is, this is ready to go. What, what else do we need? I said, well, a thousand bucks ought to do it. She said, what? I said, well, we've got to buy the, the door for the shower. We, we have the, the um, base and we, we have the walls. We still got to buy the door yet. We got to buy the vanity. A thousand bucks ought to do it. She said, where are we going to get a thousand bucks? Now, the good news is none of you can see what's unfinished in my lower level. So you don't drive by my house and laugh at me because it's only half done. The other good news is I married a patient woman. Don't laugh at that. It's true. But have you thought about the cost of following Christ? Most of the time we just think about all the free stuff we get, don't we? We got a home in heaven. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Our prayers are answered. We can do all things through him that strengthens us. We have peace that passes all understanding. We can commit our way and trust in him and see what he's going to do. We think about all the free stuff we get. But have you thought about the price? Jesus here says, think about the cost. What's it going to cost you to live a Christian life? And are you willing to pay the price? You see, we have to be willing, according to this text, to give it all up for Jesus. Now, you understand, he gave it all up for us, don't you? I trust when you read Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made like this man. Do you understand what happened when Jesus came as a babe in a manger? He left heaven. All of the rights and privileges of glory and voluntarily came to earth so that he could go to a cross and die for our sins. Took upon himself the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Being made in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think about that. Tension. Jesus says, count the cost. If you're not willing to pay the cost, don't start to build the building. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Wow. Tension. Real tension. In our lives. Well, let's go back to John chapter 15. So what is Jesus saying here in John chapter 15 about the exclusiveness of our relationship with God through his son? Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Hmm. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. No fruit, he takes away. What does that mean? The word takes away is an interesting word in Greek. A hero. Now, I looked at a lot of different translations, and all of the translations that I looked at, and I must have looked at 25 or 30, translate this word, takes away. But there are other definitions of this word that I, I think help us here. The word can mean to take up or lift. Keep that in mind, will you please? It can also mean to take up upon oneself, to take up and carry away or to take away, remove. But it's this, it's this definition, take up and lift. When we lived in northern Ohio and Sandusky area, because of its proximity to, to Lake Erie, there were a number of, of grape arbors that were there. Now, you remember, Jesus is talking about vines and branches here, right? Now, the grape arbors that were in Sandusky, 
Ohio, we're, we're beautiful. Plots of land. And all of the grapes were, were nicely bound up. And, and when there was a runner, a, a, a grape that would kind of get away from the rest of it, the husband one would take it and he'd, he'd bring it up and he'd tie it to the rest of the branches so that it's all there and you can, you can pick the grapes very easily. But in the Middle East, that didn't happen. They didn't have these wonderful arbors that we see all lined up in a row. And many times, there were runners that would come out from the vine as branches and would go some distance from the vine. And even though they were still attached to the vine, they were away from the main group of branches. What the vine dresser did, the husbandman did in those days, he would take those runners and he would lift them up because they were not in soil that could give them the nourishment that they needed. He would dust them off because they were in soil that many times covered them. And he would make them productive again. And so what I believe Jesus is talking about here is taking those runners, lifting them up, brushing them off, pruning them, and making them as productive as they can be. It's not about separating them from the vine. It's about helping them be productive as they are connected to the vine. You see, what Jesus does is he lifts us up. He takes us up. He doesn't take us away, but he puts us in a place where we can be cleaned and pruned and disciplined to be all that God wants us to be. Does that help with the tension in this passage? God is willing to do anything he can do to challenge us and change us and conform us to the character of Christ as Christ-like disciples. And even when we're runners, <laughs> he goes after. Now, the other tension in this passage is down in verse 6. Anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like branches and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and are burned. Not only do you find runners in vineyards, you also find what I've been told are called self-sowers. Those are branches that fall off of the vineyard and, and sprout up on their own. H have you seen those in your garden? They, they sow themselves, they're not attached, but, but they grow up all by themselves. You remember that Jesus talked about the different types of soil, the stony soil and the thorn-infested soil where the seed cannot produce as it was intended to produce? Well, that could be self-sowers. So you got runners and you got self-sowers. 
The self-sowers are identified here in, in verse 6. They aren't attached to the, to the vine. They're just kind of running off on themselves. And so they never were connected. That's the tension. Tension's okay. As long as we understand the wonder of God working in our life. Because the truth is, the Savior came into the world to give to us eternal life. And I am thankful for that. I want to share with you just very quickly some of the triumph that we have in Christ. Believer's security, I'm going to call it. And I want to give to you ten reasons that I believe once we trust Christ as personal Savior, becoming part of his family, we can never lose that salvation. Just very quickly this morning. Reason number one is because of the nature of salvation. The nature of salvation is eternal life. Anything else would not be true salvation. Number two, because salvation is by grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Number three, our believer's security is based upon what Christ has done and not what we do. Aren't you thankful for that? On the cross, he said, it's finished. And the writer to, to the Hebrew believers in, in Hebrews chapter 10 says that after he'd af- offered a sacrifice for, for men, once and for all, he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? It's what Christ has done in our lives. We've been born again in the family of God. That was Nicodemus' question, right? Once you've been born, can you ever be unborn? There were times with my kids, I thought about it. And frankly, there have probably been times with God that he thought about it. But he loved me too much. We become children of God. As many as receive Christ to them are given the privilege to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Four more very quickly. We've been sealed by the Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter 1. You want a blessing. Now, it may be a blessing that's, that you struggle with. But read Ephesians chapter 1. And it says that we have been sealed with the Spirit of God. It also says that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. It says that we've been predestinated. And some of that is difficult to grasp. But the reality is God has given to us His Spirit to indwell us and to seal us unto the day of redemption. That's a great thing. We've been sanctified. Romans chapter 15 says that we have been sanctified by the Spirit of God. We've been justified. 
declared righteous, Romans chapter 5. And we are kept by the power of God. Wow. It's all about what God is doing in our lives. Now, I don't want you to think that just because you're sitting in Calvary Baptist Church today that you're going to heaven. Paul ended his second letter to the believers in Corinth by saying this. Examine yourselves, see whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves. And that's a good thing to do. But I am so thankful for what Jesus said in John chapter 10. We're going to have it here on the screen. Will you read it with me? Here we go. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen? Now, it is an exclusive relationship. It's about our connectedness with Jesus Christ. But it's a relationship that God established as he sent his son to be the savior of the world and declared, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 